Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. Praise to the man. That was the title of M. Russell Ballard's last public address. He gave this message in General Conference on October 1st, 2023. About six weeks later, Mr. Ballard would die. So what we're going through is the last message that he gave, and it is all about Joseph Smith. Praise to the man is not a title speaking of the man Christ Jesus. It's speaking of the man Joseph Smith. And I want to go back, Eric, to what we said earlier in this week, where he talks about Joseph Smith having the courage to go out into the woods and kneel, and he desired to know what he needed to do to have his sins forgiven. And I read from Joseph Smith's 1832 diary, where he goes out and he merely cries out to God, asking for mercy, and the Lord Jesus shows up. He never mentions God the Father in this vision account. We don't hear anything about one saying to the other, this is my beloved son, hear him. We don't hear anything about all the churches being wrong and their creeds being an abomination. We don't hear anything about Joseph Smith going out to the woods to pray because he was concerned as to which church he should join. He goes out into the woods, according to his 1832 account, wanting to know if his sins were forgiven. He cries out and God forgives him, according to his account. I'm just going by what he says. And I was thinking about it after we recorded that show, that Spencer Kimball certainly wouldn't seem to agree with what Joseph Smith said in his 1832 account, that he merely went out and asked for forgiveness and received forgiveness. What did Spencer Kimball, the 12th president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, teach about that very subject? In The Miracle of Forgiveness, a book that he wrote, he said, Your Heavenly Father has promised forgiveness upon total repentance and meeting all the requirements, but that forgiveness is not granted merely for the asking. There must be works, many works, and an all-out total surrender with a great humility and a broken heart and a contrite spirit. It depends upon you whether or not you are forgiven and when. It could be weeks, it could be years, it could be centuries before that happy day when you have the positive assurance that the Lord has forgiven you. That depends on your humility, your sincerity, your works, your attitudes. That's on pages 324 to 325. Now what Kimball is describing there doesn't sound at all like what we read in Joseph Smith's account in 1832 when he's visited by Jesus. And again, I think that needs to be emphasized. He never says he was visited by God the Father at this time. Yet this is supposed to be a part of the first vision narrative. What the Elias Church is doing now, folks, is they're taking the four different accounts that Joseph Smith gave during his lifetime, and they're conflating this story to make it sound as if it all harmonizes. Now, some of it you could say, maybe he left this detail out here and included the detail later, but there are actual contradictions in his account. One of the contradictions that I want to bring up before we move on is when he says in his 1832 account, I become convicted of my sins, and by searching the scriptures, I found that mankind 
did not come unto the Lord, but that they had apostatized from the true and living faith, and there was no society or denomination that built upon the gospel of Jesus Christ as recorded in the New Testament. That is an outright contradiction to what he says in the 1838 account when the Father and the Son allegedly tell Joseph Smith that all the churches are wrong, their creeds are an abomination, and their professors are all corrupt. What does he say? He says, I asked the personages who stood above me in the light which of all the sects was right. For at this time it had never entered into my heart that all were wrong and which I should join. That's not what it sounds like in his 1832 account. He says he already knows by searching the scripture that no one had come to the Lord, but that they had apostatized from the true and living faith, and there was no society or denomination that built upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that is a contradiction. There's no way you're going to harmonize those two views. Now, We move on, and what Mr. Ballard is going to do is he's going to get right into where he got the title of his message. And it, of course, is a song that Latter-day Saints sing. We were talking about it earlier in this week. He said, Because Jesus, our Savior and our Redeemer, spoke to the boy Joseph and opened up this dispensation of time that we now live in, we sing, Praise to the man who communed with Jehovah. And that's from the hymn, Praise to the Man, number 27. We thank the Lord for Joseph Smith and for his courage to go into that grove of trees in 1820 near his home in Palmyra, New York. Now, that's the second time he credits Joseph Smith with courage for going into the grove and praying. But the first time he gives him praise for courage, it's to go and ask for his sins to be forgiven, which... I don't know why he credits him with courage for that. I think a lot of people have gone out in a private place somewhere, whether it's the woods or who knows where, and asked God in his mercy to forgive them. But now he's saying he has courage to go into the grove of trees, and the context seems to be to ask which church is true. Now, that's not what he said in his 1832 diary. There's no mention at all that Joseph Smith was concerned as to which church was true in his 1832 diary. That comes about later on. But as Ballard says, because of what happened there, they sing praise to the man who communed with Jehovah. What are the words to that hymn? Well, that is the first line of the first stanza. Praise to the man who communed with Jehovah. This is the rest of that stanza. Jesus anointed that prophet and seer Blessed to open the last dispensation, kings shall extol him and nations revere. Then the chorus, hail to the prophet, ascended to heaven. Traitors and tyrants now fight him in vain. Mingling with capital G gods, he can plan for his brethren. Death cannot conquer the hero again. Now this is from W.W. Phelps. Three more stanzas. I think I'm going to read them all, Bill, because I think we need to get an idea. He only gives you one line. Listen to what else it says. Praise to his memory, he died as a martyr. Honored and blessed be his ever great name. Long shall his blood, which was shed by assassins, plead unto heaven while the earth lauds his fame. Third stanza. Great is his glory and endless his priesthood. Ever and ever the keys he will hold. Faithful and true, he will enter his kingdom, crowned in the midst of prophets of old. And finally, Sacrifice brings forth the blessings of heaven. Earth must atone for the blood of that man. Wake up the world for the conflict of justice. 
millions shall know Brother Joseph again. There's a lot of things in that hymn that are concerning for us as Christians. When it talks about his blood being shed, things like that. These, these are all attributes that we give to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And yet, they're using that same kind of language and attributing it to Joseph Smith. I, I remember visiting the Carthage jail on one occasion where they talked about the blood of Joseph Smith that was shed for the church. That kind of language makes me cringe. As New Testament Christians, we, we should be bothered when we hear language like this. But Ballard's not the only one that pays this kind of homage to Joseph Smith. A number of their leaders have talked about how they love him. A number of them have done that. And this is what Ballard's basically doing. He started off this conference message by saying, I've had Joseph Smith on my mind, or in my mind, he says. But when he talks about, we thank the Lord for Joseph and for his courage to go into that grove of trees in 1820 near his home in Palmyra. And he says, I've been thinking about all the marvelous things that we know and all of the things that we have. Well, think about all the things that M. Russell Ballard knows theologically. We would say that a lot of things that Ballard knows and has taught on through his many years as a general authority in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints— are things that are certainly not supported by the Bible. What did Joseph Smith give them? What is it that he claims that he has and all members of the church have? Well, I would say a false view of God. Christians have never been known to believe in a God who was once a man. They've never believed in a God who had a body of flesh and bones. They never have believed in a God who became God at some point in time and was a human prior to that time. These are the things that Joseph Smith gave the LDS people. He gave them a false view of God. If, in fact, he was a true prophet, you would think that he would teach an accurate view of God. But he doesn't. When you go to the Old Testament and you read Deuteronomy chapter 13, there's a test for how the Israelite people can determine whether or not they're being told the truth by a person who claims to be a prophet. And one of those things that they are told to look out for is, does this man teach an accurate view of God? Is it the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Or is it a false God? Joseph Smith teaches about a false God. Go back and read Deuteronomy 13. He does not meet that qualification. So basically what we have here in M. Russell Ballard's last public message, he's giving praise to a man who was seen to be a false prophet, according to Deuteronomy 13. Just a few weeks before he was murdered in the Carthage jail, Joseph Smith gave a very famous sermon. It's been called the greatest of all sermons, the King Follett Discourse. Listen to what he says, and this is recorded in Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 345. I will go back to the beginning before the world was to show what kind of being God is. What sort of being was God in the beginning? Open your ears and hear, all ye ends of the earth, for I am going to prove it to you by the Bible and to tell you the designs of God in relation to the human race and why he interferes with the affairs of man. God himself was once as we are now and is an exalted man and sits enthroned in yonder heavens. That is the great secret. If the veil were rent today and the great God who holds this world in its orbit and who upholds all worlds and all things by his power was to make himself visible, 
I say, if you were to see him today, you would see him like a man in form, like yourselves in all the person, image, and very form of as a man. For Adam was created in the very fashion, image, and likeness of God, and received instruction from, and walked, talked, and conversed with him as one man talks and communes with another. Is that a view that Christians have held historically? No, not at all. Where does Joseph Smith get this? He doesn't get it from the Bible. See, this would be one of those things that an LDS general authority would preface by saying, modern revelation tells us. In other words, the Bible doesn't have anything to say like this, so we're going to tell you what our leaders have told us to believe. That's so dangerous. I, I mean, this, this is what's sad. At one point when I'm reading this message, knowing it's his last public sermon, you can't help but feel bad for him because coming from our worldview, he's going to have to answer for this. Imagine when he stands before Christ in judgment, the last thing that he said publicly was praising a man who didn't qualify as a true prophet of God. Those were his last words in a public message. How is Jesus going to take that? We should think seriously about our final judgment. Jesus is going to judge us, and he's going to judge us righteously. You're not going to have some kind of shifty lawyer that's going to be able to get you out of this. He's going to know everything about you. And if you've been worshiping a false prophet throughout your religious lifetime, don't think that's going to escape the notice of Christ. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.